Happy LCS people, FT Live, Braun Krasinski, Kratz on Stadium. Jace Peterson going to talk to us in about 15 minutes. Hour number two, we'll talk to prospect Victor Scott, who's in the Arizona Fall League, and Max Muncy about the Dodgers. Um, it's not a disaster. It was kind of expected with how the pitching went, but curious to get his take because he's been really good this year, too. I mean, he's been very straightforward with us. He's been one of our better interviews, so. We'll see what he says. Very curious. Um, you guys around tonight? For a game? Yeah, or two. Or for after games? After games, yes. After games. I'm, exactly. def I'm definitely going to be around. Which one? Both. Both. There you go. Uh, we're going to do a little post-game action um, on the LCS. Uh, ALCS, obviously, Rangers and Astros, and then NLCS, the Phillies, and the Diamondbacks. So we'll get to that that bonanza. But let's charge the damn mound. Let's get to um, Texas taking game one of the ALCS. You know, I miss games like this where starters actually get to pitch. Team, The team that has the best starting pitching usually wins every series. It's simple. I know people want to change it. I know people want to make it what they want to make it. But the team with the best starting pitching through a series usually wins almost every time. So uh, I know bullpens are important. I know this and that is important. But if you have the best starting pitcher and the best starting pitching staff, you usually win a series. Yeah, so you're saying right. bullpenning is not the move. It hasn't worked out yet, has it? As a team that's bullpened really hard, won a World Series? Not the, that I can remember. The hardest, the hardest I can remember was the Royals in 15. But were they bullpenning? No, you didn't bullpen. You no, still their guys starters went, still pitch. I mean, I mean, they had a very consistent seven, eight, nine, and sometimes six, that six, seven, eight, nine, six, seven, eight, nine. But I don't know if you would call that bullpenning. It's not like they were like, "Hey, let's do a different dude every inning," or "Hey, let's have a guy." You know, let's have an opener. Innings, right? Let's have or an, an opener, opener, and our starter only goes three innings, and then we have to piece it together. That hasn't worked yet. I don't think. No, not in not in the seven game series. You just. It just runs out. You run, you're constantly facing, I don't care how nasty guys are, you're constantly facing the exact same pitch. And AJ can tell you, if you put, let's say you can't hit a slider. Let's say you, this pitcher has this slider that is so nasty. You mimic that pitch on a machine, and you're like, first 10 times you're swinging at it. I can't hit it. This isn't real. This isn't real. Eventually, big league hitters, even bad big league hitters, can figure it out if you always are saying the same pitch in the same location. So that's why, you know, I don't even think Verlander had his best stuff last night, but him giving them six innings is huge. Yes, they lost, but they didn't score any runs either. So the more you're starting pitching can throw deeper into games, and some starting pitchers, five innings is as deep as it'll go. That's fine. But bullpenning in the sense, the way that you guys are talking about it, I just don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's it's feasible. That's why I really think a guy like Andrew Heaney could come in to play in this series big time. Left-handed, throws curveballs, Astros struggle with curveballs, and he can give he can give you length in the sense of like one time through the order. Whatever that is. That might not be that might not be three innings, but it might be two plus innings going one time through the order. Is Jordan Montgomery taking you out to dinner this offseason, Kratz? Because he's going to have some extra cash, like a lot. Many millions of dollars are being made. Um, he's, ma he's married by Monty. Now. He's married now. He doesn't hang out anymore. That sucks. Yeah. 
So are you, and you hang out. Yeah, but my wife loves it when I hang out. (laughs) Six in the third shutout, five hits, a walk, six strikeouts. Most impressively, he is Jordan Alvarez's kryptonite. We made great pitches on Jordan. Right, so he's his kryptonite. He pitched him kind of how you would want to pitch him, how most teams want to pitch him, but they don't have the ability to pitch him, meaning heaters in. And and, and the one thing about lefties that – as a left-handed hitter, they don't throw balls. Not a lot of lefties throw balls into a lefty. If I, if I faced lefties and they just stayed away, it was like, okay, I can hit this guy. But the ones that gave me trouble were like back in the day was Mark Mulder because he would sink it in on your hands, and you're like, oh, gosh, that's not really a pitch I'm used to seeing, and I don't normally handle it very well. But if you notice, Monty went in, in, sinkers in, up and in, sinkers in, sinkers in, and then he went to the curveball, right? But he got him so conscious inside and so sped up that it made him – flail at those curveballs. It was a great job by Jonah Heim. It was a great job by Jordan Montgomery. And listen, there was the, the biggest at-bat. There was two huge at-bats in that game for the Astros. One was the where he punched out Alvarez. I think it was first and second uh, in the third or fourth inning, first and second or second and third, whatever it was. And then, I think bottom three. In bottom three. And then the, the Maldonado at-bat in bottom four where he punched him out with the bases loaded. Right? I, I thought because uh, Dubon got the hit, right, and they couldn't score the guy from second because it was a one-hopper right to the left fielder. Gary Pettis, third base coach, had to hold him. Aldonado comes up with the bases loaded and couldn't score, and then they really never had another chance after that. Well, Altuve at least got on, and then you know yeah. you got to hit the bag when you're going back. Yeah, but right? <clears throat> I, and I'll say this: I thought I thought it wasn't explained very well last night. The the rule, um, what Altuve did was he got to the base, okay, and when you get to the base, usually what you do is you put your foot on the base. And, okay. and leave it there, right? And then that way, if you like kind of what happened to Bryce the other day, if you, you put your foot on the base, you leave it there. And then that way, either way you go, you can go either way and not have to reestablish. But he put his foot on the base. And then when he went to step, he stepped towards third. So he probably thought, man, I don't have to retouch because I was touching the base. But if you take that step towards third, you still have to retouch, even though your this foot was on the base. So he kind of went, and then he went back. Whereas if, you, if you're here and you have your foot on the base and then you go directly back, you don't have to retouch. But because he kind of took that one step to third, then he had to retouch, and he didn't. And it was great. You could see Simeon right away going, he didn't retouch, he didn't retouch. It was a great job by Simeon noticing it. But that's something that you're taught as a player to look for, guys missing bases, stuff like that. That is wild to me. I mean, there's so much going on. And Marcus Simeon's like, Altuve, I'm looking at your feet. You didn't get there. Kratz, I hope – I don't know about – but I used to watch guys take round first. I used to watch everything. Like you'd see it's, the ball and you'd watch him go around first. And you'd just be like, automatically, automatically did look. he touch first? Yeah, but how often does that actually happen? Very rarely, but it, it's happened. It mm-hmm. happened last night. It's a habit. Like how much energy did it take AJ to watch somebody around first base and see? Not much, but you see the guys who are in the game, and you're constant. Like there's there's just checklists, and Josh Young actually was the first one I saw pointing at it in the slow motion. You see Simeon turning around and pointing at it. So I don't know if he, if Josh Young was saying something or what was happening, but you see Josh Young. So there's more than just Simeon watching. Everybody's watching. A good bench coach watches that. A like, there's so many people watching that play, and it was definitely a, a brain fart, I think, by Altuve because of stepping up. If he had even stepped over, like like AJ had said, I think his right foot went towards second base. I mean, went towards third base. If he had just kept, if he had kept his left foot on and just kind of like pivoted around, 
and gone, he would have been totally fine and gone back. But it was ah, that's. And as soon as they they reversed the call, they showed Altuve's face, and he was just like so embarrassed. But hey. he he knew it right away. Altuve knew, and the thing is, is you're taught as a base runner, just retouch it automatically, just to be safe. Like just if you go anywhere close to it, just if, if on your way back, just automatically retouch. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> because now you used to be able to get away with it because there was no replay. But now there's so many, especially in the LCS and the World Series, there's so many cameras. There's a million cameras like staring on every person. So there's no way that they're not going to see that. I also almost, think- the umpire almost blocked it. The one, the best angle, the umpire, the, the one umpire, view, the umpire was like right there, and you're like, crap. The, one, cameras. the other thing, too, like AJ talking about always watching the base, as many games as we play and watch, if you pay attention to the game, something weird looks – something just looks different. Like the timing of it looks different. People think like, wow, how can you totally see like the distance, you know, total – the difference in him missing it or not missing it. There's just like a timing aspect to plays. And when he makes that round right there – naturally you think, okay, even in like in your periphery, you're seeing the ball, but you're also kind of seeing where he's at and seeing if he retouched. It's, it's just such a good baseball play by the Rangers. And I wouldn't say they stole one last night. Like this team is built to win these games and they've been winning these games. So I had them winning last night and I just thought the Astros were going to score some runs. No, they were the better team last night. Also, by the way, they were not getting fooled by Verlander. I mean, he pitched. I don't know if you'd call not it early. a stuff, not but early. He, he barely got, he got any better. wits. He I know got he got better, better yeah. which is often the case he's, with he's him, really but he still wasn't getting guy, swing and miss. But he's really a two-pitch guy now, and his velocity's down. He's not a swing and miss guy anymore. Like, if you look at him even during the regular season, he wasn't a huge swing and miss guy. Yeah, I his mean, Ks were down this year. His Ks were down. His Velo's down. I mean, he was like 93 sitting in 93, where normally he's been 95, 96. His slider's still good, but he, he's more of almost like a weak contact guy now. Which, listen, he gave up two runs. It wasn't like he went out and got whacked. No, that's what I'm saying. I mean, though. he gave I up two in runs. In some scenarios, they, he could have gotten hit pretty good. Yeah. But, I mean, no? listen, I mean, against the Twins, he kind of did the same thing. He couldn't find it early, and he got better as the yes. game went on. He really, I mean, honestly, he made one mistake. It was the one to Tavares that he hit for the home run. But the, the, the one Carter, double, hustle double. And then he kind of jammed Diona uh, Heim and he threw it out there to center, right? Okay, fine. one nothing. We, we're the Astros. We should be able to score one run, right? And then he made one mistake to Tavares. And after that, that was really it. It wasn't like it was a they got crushed 22 to nothing. I mean, it was literally two, two hits that killed them. Yeah, that's the hanging slider to Tavares. But, no, I mean, we say this all the time. You got to score in the playoffs. I mean, if you're Houston, you're not expecting, obviously, to be shut out, let alone – they score three runs in this game. They win the game. And I thought the inning where there could have been damage was Araldis Chapman coming in as a total wild card because you don't know where the ball's going half the time. Neither does he. He's had a lot of fun in that park. That was fun for me. The park was like, boo. What? Yeah, actually, yeah, we love this guy. <laughs> We've had great moments with him. You know, like they were, they were like so programmed to boo everyone. But then they were like, wait, hold, actually. I want to cheer for this guy because I want – or Aldis Chapman in the game. That was your time. I mean, well, Bregman hit a ball to the fence. The guy jumped and caught. Right. I mean, and then they got the double play. I mean, that was yeah, that was the game. That was their. I mean, when Bregman hit that ball, it was just like, oh shit, there we go, two to two. Astros will figure out a way to win this because their bullpen's better. 
But Carter made the catch. Maybe it's the Astros' year. I mean, the mm-hmm. Rangers' year. Sorry. Maybe it's the Rangers' year this year. Well, and defense helps. I mean, we saw nice defensive plays on both sides. And lastly, you know what helps? When you do shit. To, to me, I say it every freaking <laughs> year. All of these teams did stuff. The Rangers did everything. I mean, they bought so many players that freaking Jacob deGrom's sitting on their IL and Jordan Montgomery's the ace because they picked him up midseason. The Astros have Justin Verlander for the next couple years on a massive discount. That makes a huge difference to me. The Diamondbacks have Seawall that extended their bullpen, makes them much better. Tommy Pham made them much better. Obviously, the Phillies are probably the team that did the least, quote, the least at the deadline, but they've been doing as much as any team in baseball over the past couple of years. That matters. I think rarely do you see a team in these situations that's like, yeah, we just tanked and we're just going to build from within and, and basically do nothing. That's what I mean. I keep picking on a team like the Orioles, but I'm like, if that's how they operate the next few years, good luck. You need to have supplements to what you're doing. Remember when the Yankees said Jordan Montgomery couldn't pitch in the playoffs? How'd that go? Good, good job, guys. Bad good job, Yankees. Evaluating. <laughs> I mean, good job. He's available. Uh, in, he's available in free agency after this year. Yeah, how fun would that be <laughs> for him? And also, we know. I mean, we, we can get into it with him next time we talk to him. But he was, he was fucking pissed that he was. Of course, traded. he was. He was pissed about being traded, about how he was looked at within the organization. And, I mean, Kratz, you probably know this better than I can say. I think he's had a chip on his shoulder since that trade. You know what? You know, I think he's going to say all the right things. But I also saw how he was treated when he was with the Yankees. And I'm not saying he was treated poorly. I'm saying the guys they loved ahead of him were completely different pitchers. Obviously, Luis Severino. Legit. Garrett Cole, legit. Nestor Cortez was an all-star. I'm trying to think who else they had before they, you know, but they went and got a guy like Frankie Montas instead of saying, all right, Monty, here's the ball. We've seen you forever. And I don't know if the peripheries or how everything, you know, goes on trades like that. They needed a center fielder. So they got, they got Harrison Bader who was coming off an injury. So it was like, you can say they, they liked him, but if you don't think a guy's going to make your roster, that to me has give, gives you quality innings every year, then hopefully, you know, it doesn't pan out like this. For most teams, it doesn't pan out like this. I don't think this is necessarily, you know, a chip on his shoulder. I just think it's a guy that has a talent of throwing the ball downhill. He is, everything is really downhill. And that's why I thought, Maybe that Jordan matchup might be tough, but until he started, he started throwing, he threw like two or three fastballs in so well that it just opened up that curveball, which Jordan's never going to be able to touch. He could tell him it's coming and he's not going to be able to hit it. But Monty is a, he has set himself unbelievable year, career year. And now to do what he's done in the playoffs so far, I saw a side by side of, Bruce Bochy's Madison Bumgarner in 2010 and Jordan Montgomery this year for the first three starts, almost identical in the postseason from 2010 Bumgarner to 2023 Jordan Montgomery. It is crazy. 2-0. and um, Monty has like 13 or 14 strikeouts and Bumgarner had 17 same amount of walks, almost the same amount of on-base percentage from teams. Like, it was some crazy stats. And to think about where where Bumgarner ended up going then in free agency, it's some good cheese coming. My thing is, <clears throat> I don't know how much you guys watch the 
show. But we did. I just did the Astros and the Twins series, right? They were under 500 in the, in, in the regular season at home. The Astros were, <laughs> which is unbelievable. And then they also they made all these big changes, like to the batter's eye, because they couldn't see left-handed pitchers. And we talked about it in the DS, and, and they and they hit on it in the post game, and, and a little bit I think in the pregame on Fox. But it was weird because we hit on all this stuff. Like they didn't play well in the in the home. They they like moved the batter's eye. We showed a picture of it where it was, and then how they paint. They kept painting it like farther and farther and farther over because they said they couldn't see, man, that place is a good place to hit. It was a great place to see. And they always had like an excuse like, Oh, we can't see because of the, they put like a Budweiser red and they're like, Oh, we can't see. And they, so they made it green and farther and farther and farther. But I'm just like, man, y'all got a lot of excuses for a team that won the division and has always been unbelievable at home. Also, why are you making any changes when you just won the world series? Uh, they changed. I mean, I'm telling <laughs> you, you, know like, you shouldn't I don't do know if I, I don't think I still have the picture. A we showed the picture on the DS of how much they had moved the batter's eye over. It was like crazy. It was That's like weird. almost like the Fenway, the old Fenway thing where they had the people in center field. And then they, during oh, the day games, them. they put the, the, the mesh over in center field. It was, it was weird. Jace Peterson joining us right now. Jace, I know not on the roster for this round, but still you're around a team that's been um, the least likely according to prognosticators, to be in this spot. How fun has it been, man? It's been a blast, man. This team is, uh, you know, last year I remember talking to Yelich towards the end of the year. We ended with Arizona. They came to us and they actually swept us. Uh, I remember saying this team's really, really talented. Uh, the way they play the game, um, obviously I think the the trades that they made, especially in the bullpen, to kind of sure those things up. Um, it's a pretty special team to watch, just the way they play. Everybody's fast. Uh, I think that's the the main thing with our game is just continuing to put pressure on teams, and it's a deep lineup. Everybody in that lineup is giving you good at bats, quality at bats, and then once you once you got horses like Merrill and Gallon at the top, man, it's a uh, it's tough to beat. Did you hold on before we get into it? As we show all these homers off, my guy Lance, poor guy, uh, Jace. <laughs> did you jump in the pool? Of course, of course. We 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 got to do it twice so far, so it's been fun. It's a. Uh, I need to make it a little bit deeper. We've had it. We had a couple close calls. Some of the the older coaches jumped in, and and we were worried about them hitting their head on those steps. So it was close, but it's it's been a blast jumping in the pool. Did you cannonball, or what'd you do? The the first the when we first made it, I did a cannonball. The last one, we just kind of all jumped in a bunch of us. No one just no belly flop. Next time we'll save that. Corbin right there, obviously doing his thing with the phone in his hand. It's pretty special. <laughs> with the phone in his hand how is that phone how many guys lost phones do you think oh i would say uh, corbin for sure um other than that i'm really not even sure i left my i left mine in the clubhouse that's smart well because you know like you play a game you go into the clubhouse you have a few beverages and then you start running out to the pool you might forget that your phone is on you without a doubt are you just so rich you don't care one of the <laughs> That's smart. At least I taught Jay something to get rid of his phone before he jumps in a pool. I mean, taught him something back when he was a rookie. That's a flex. Are you are you rich enough, Jace, to jump in the pool with your phone? If you're in the big leagues, you, you're probably rich enough to jump in the pool with one phone, I would think. Okay. Especially nowadays. Minimum so don't grade. jump in with both? Not Don't do it more than once. Maybe once, twice a year. That's about that's it. Not both you gotta, phones. You got to get long, long-term deals, not, not just your two-year deals. That's right. That's right. That's Corbin what, what, definitely uh, can afford it. <laughs> Corbin's Corbin no question. Did. Yeah, no question. Is it okay if is it okay if another team jumps in your pool? You don't want that happening. No, you don't. I'm want saying, that but though, you, if you they gotta, do, is that is that bad? 
I mean, uh, yeah, I would think I would think that's probably not the best look. Uh, if I want another team and, and was against Arizona and and clinch, I don't know if I'd be in the pool. But then again, I guess if there's some history there and other stuff has gone on behind the scenes, then maybe it's a, a way to get back at a team. But yeah, I, that's not for me. You're, dude, you're such a liar. You know, if you if you were on a, if you were on the Oakland A's still, and you guys beat the somehow beat the Diamondbacks in like the World Series, your ass would be the first one running down there jumping in the pool. Because I would have taught you that too. Possible. World, World Series, Series possible. possible. Will the Isn't Phillies it? do it? Yeah. If, if, Remember a couple if, years ago though, the Dodgers did it, and it was a whole there was a yeah. brouhaha. I was like, what are they doing? I know in in 2014 with the Cardinals, we clinched in Arizona, and the, the first thing they said was like, you guys do not go in that pool. They were like, do not Who said that. Cardinals, the Diamondbacks, the MLB, everybody. We were like, okay, we're not. We'll, we'll go in the pool. But it was they were. That hey, was you like listen, AJ. Yeah, I'm shocked. What? What's wrong with you? Wow, that was, was man. Some people change, I guess. Good for yeah, you. Well, here's here's the thing, though. I mean, think about it. Like, I didn't want to cause. I was like the I was like the 27th guy on a 26 man roster, so I didn't want to cause too many problems. I can feel that. I can right? feel that. But I want this is what I kind yep. of want to ask, Jace. As as a guy now, listen, we've all we're you're a veteran. I mean, I can't believe I'm calling you that, but it's kind of funny. I, I know. Uh, but okay, I've been through it. I, in 2014, when I was with the Cardinals, we we won the division. First round, we played the Dodgers. I wasn't on the roster. You get the phone call from Tori Lavello or Mike Hayes and whoever called you. First of all, I know what I felt like. What, what was it like? And I you know obviously it sucks, and I'm sorry to hear that. You know, but then I was put on the roster for the LCS. So. You know, what, what's your mindset like and, and, you know, how does that phone call go? And if you don't want to tell us too much, I also get that. No, I mean, for, for me, it is what it is. You know, I know I'm still a big part of this team and I can still do my job to keep the boys ready. I'm here for the boys and I'm here to win. So whatever I need to do. And, and as you both know, this things in this game change quick. So uh, for me, it's all about all about staying ready and doing what I can, preparing each day as if I was still playing and active. Um but for, for me, that's really my mindset. Just continue to be there for the boys, do what I can from the dugout, support them, uh, be a good teammate, and try to get these wins here in Philly. It's going to be a fun series. Uh, everybody keeps talking about the fans, and obviously we know that this is a hostile environment. But at the end of the day, we're, we're ready to go play and go strap it on wherever we're at. Talk about what you actually need to do to stay ready because I spent more playoffs not active than active, and people are like, well, you didn't do anything. And for me, I did – I felt like I was doing so much all the time because it's like yeah. you could get you could get thrust into a game. Somebody goes down tonight and you're playing tomorrow night in Philly. Right. And, and you know what goes on in the clubhouse. Uh, there's a lot of stuff just morale wise, just talking guys, boosting guys up, keeping guys in the fight. Um, that kind of stuff behind scenes. People don't really get to see. So that that's something that is always fun for me. I, I enjoy that part of it. Just continue to be there for my guys. Um, but a, as far as preparation stuff it's more cage work you're continuing to hit continue to see the velo machine stuff like that obviously you're out there doing your ground balls you still do all your same prep work continuing to do all that and stay on top of that and the hardest thing is just to kind of stay in the rhythm of the game with pitching not seeing live pitching and stuff um fortunately when we do have those off days we're able to see those guys that need to throw for us and get some live at bat so that always helps um but my mindset is it's kind of right there man just to just continue to do what i can to stay ready and if something changes, then then I'll be ready. Yeah. So you probably knew when you signed with the A's that you weren't making the playoffs. Not trying to throw shade on that, but there's leadership things that you brought to the team. Did the Diamondbacks reach out 
in the offseason? Like, did you have any idea like this would be a team that possibly could have signed you before? Or was it like when they traded for you, you were like, oh, okay. Yeah, we had some contact with them in the offseason via my agent. We had teams that were were interested. They were one of them. Um, But for me, the two-year deal was a separator, obviously, over there in Oakland, um, which – you know, I enjoyed my time there. I had a great group of guys, built some great relationships and uh, enjoyed it. But to, to be able to for them to trade me over here to a contender and somebody that's done what this team's done and, and doing what this team's doing, it's been fun. and It's been a special second half for sure. While we're on that topic, just for a moment, because we were talking about it in the last seg. Do you notice the batting eye any differently when you were in Houston? Did you have games, I'm sure, in Houston before you were traded over? We went there for one series this year when I was with them. And honestly, I, I didn't really notice a huge difference. But again, I've only went to Houston one other time before that. So I've been to Houston twice now, and I really didn't even notice a difference. So I, I really can't help you there. I, I was only able to make one trip there this year. That's fine. Could just be excuses at times, which are created, especially in the playoffs. So. I just I just don't know how – like the Diamondbacks have, what, five days off in the uh... – Phillies are going to have four days off. Like, who's, who's going to complain more, more about days off? I mean, the Rangers won with five <laughs> days off, and the Astros had four days, and the Rangers won. So now, they, so Jace, I hope you guys didn't rest up too much <laughs> for this series against Philly because you know you got an extra day's rest. So I hope you guys didn't rest too much. You know, we 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 stayed on our kind of doing our same routines. We did a little inner squad uh, on that first day, and then after that, we did our regular workout days where it's kind of. Ground balls, defense, get what you need. Hitters, get what you need. Pitchers that need to throw, you can get some live at-bats. And then BP. So, you know, it is what it is. I, whether you're rested up or not, you got to go strap it on and play these games and get these wins. So, uh, for, for us, we're not really looking into that at all. Uh, we're, we're focused on just showing up no matter how much time we have off or if we don't have any time off, we're ready to show up and strap it on and play. Yeah, so no excuses. So, all these inner squads, yeah. all these inner squads and lives, did you hit any dingers against your teammates? No, no, no dingers. I had some barrels, but no dingers. There was a couple dingers. Pavin got him a dinger. Uh, who else? Somebody else hit a dinger. I think Manny might have, Emmanuel got him a home run. So them two hit some homers, but um, th- it's a really good team, man. It's been fun and exciting. And I think people that haven't got to watch the Diamondbacks, they're going to kind of watch this series. And obviously we know the Phillies are a really talented team. They're very similar as far as that. I feel like their, their bullpen is one of the best in the game. Uh, I think our bullpen's pretty underrated, and people are starting to figure out exactly what we got back there, especially on that back end. Um, but obviously, they got Willer and Nola, and then we got Merrill, and we got Gallon. So I feel like pretty evenly matched there. We got some good pitchers going to go at it, and it's going to be an exciting series. And I think guys are going to get to kind of see this Diamondback lineup kind of really, really sneaky lineup, man. A lot of guys – I don't even know if it's sneaky. A lot of guys who are really talented, good at bats, we could pop you for some homers and we can hit some extra base hits and we run the bases better than anyone. So it's going to be an exciting series. I know that you're, we're locked into your own series in the NLDS, but you smartly kept your phone. So you probably were able to at least catch a highlight of Bryce Harper hitting a couple homers and staring down Orlando Arcia. What did you think of that on the field? And if you think it's you know good for the game because it brings attention and storylines and how that spilled into the Braves saying that, Arcia yelling out something that wasn't a personal attack or anything, kind of just fun trash talk turned into a conversation about media access in the clubhouse. 
Yeah, to be honest, I, I really wasn't too worried about any of that. Really wasn't focused on any of that. But I, I know those guys sitting next to you, they they know what goes on in clubhouses and they hear their stuff that's trash talk said all the time. And I think it's it's unfortunate for, for all of them involved. I don't think it was probably meant it was meant as a joke uh just like most things are uh but you know media gets things and things get sent out and things get taken out of context but it is what it is and 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 whatever however bryce wanted to handle it and rc wanted to handle it that's on them that ain't that ain't my business but it was i didn't really pay any attention to it but i know that uh there's things said in the clubhouse all the time that people could uh take out of context (laughs) you know that wasn't out of context jace come on man you know you've been around long (laughs) enough how many times have we said dumb shit and you're just like exactly right exactly. and the media hears it and it's like what they don't need to, i mean listen it's their job to report it but at the same time it's like it's all in fun it wasn't like that's the point i it know isn't fun. i know but right and they there's a billion people in there at that time i know how many times think about crabs and jace have you like the media has been in there well first of all you know jace like they come in and say okay the media is coming in two minutes everybody get their shit their clothes on put a pants on put a shirt on Make sure you're presentable. They're going to be in here for 20 minutes. All right, go. And then everyone's like looking at the clock. Like, okay, when is this 20 minutes and up? Half the dudes disappear. Yeah, half the dudes go to the Scatter. If someone's in there, then you're like, boy, Harper. Like, okay. And everyone's like, yeah. Like, but it, it, it just is such not a big deal that. It's a big deal, though, in my mind, Jace, for some people on Atlanta's side, which obviously, you know, they weren't in a good spot in the series, to be like, you shouldn't report anything that's said during those 20 minutes unless the microphone's in my face we know that that's not the case if there was a fist fight right right behind me while i was doing an interview do you think no one would talk about it like can't say anything we didn't have the mic in their face that's not how it works no i and i hear you and and you know what i think the media has a really special job and, and for the most part they do a really really good job um from me, my personal opinion, I think they spend a little bit too much time hanging out in the clubhouse as opposed to actually interviewing people. Um, I wish that time could be cut down a little bit, and I think that would prevent things like this. Um, there's a lot of times, as, as you all know, that you're in there and they're in there for 30, 40 minutes standing around, and then for five minutes they do an interview. So it's like they get to see and hear a lot of things, and it's unfortunate the, the things that don't need to be said that slip out, but you know, it is what it is and they're going to do what they do. But I wish that was something I wish that they would look to kind of cut that time down where the locker rooms for the players. It's not for the media to come and hang out, in my opinion. So like media can come do their job, but we got to cut that window down. because It seems to me like it's a little bit too long. You think that caused Harper to hit those homers? <laughs> I mean, uh, listen, bro. <laughs> Bryce is a special player, man. He's been in this game for a long time, one of the best in the game. And I think any time you give a player like that a little bit of motivation and a little bit of fire, that you, you, you know, you what, what's the old saying? You, you mess with the bull, you get the horn. So I feel like that kind of one of those situations where it kind of fired him up a little bit. And uh, yeah, then he, he popped a couple. Jace, as a, as a former player and now a media member, I completely disagree with what you said about the time because, uh, you know, you guys all go hide in the back and I just need to talk to Jace Peterson and I can't get a hold of him because he's back there getting a massage or whatever it is you guys do in the back now that's changed in the last 10 years. But, you know, I I mean, if you guys would just come out, we could get our story because as a former player, I used to get pissed. I would take that negotiation in a second. Well, no, but I used to get pissed. And I I don't know if Jace, I was just, I was just still bitter when I was Jace playing with Jace, but. 
like a reporter would come in and he'd pick up like the newspaper and he'd be like, like they'd pick up the newspaper off the desk and they'd, and I'd be, I'd walk by and I'd just grab it out of their hand and be like, nope, not for you. Or they'd be watching TV and I'd walk by with the remote and turn the TV off. I'm like, not for you. Right. But now is that, but now is that person? I'm like, like we, ha- okay. So the other day, Jason Wainwright was with us and he was talking to Verlander in Houston and he goes and sits on the couch. And afterwards I'm like, Hey man, like we, we don't do that. Right. Like you're, he's like, but Justin asked me, I'm like, yeah, but still, I would still would have been like, yeah, no, like, sorry. No, I get it. It's supposed to be a safe place, but then come out like, dude, get all your boys, get Corbin Carroll to come out and talk for two minutes. Get freaking uh, Alec Thomas to come out, get, you know, Gallon to come out, get them to come out. And then guess what? Those guys will get the hell out of there. Correct. Yeah, but they're doing everything that you showed us to do. You and Kratzy told us, man, when they when the media I comes see. in there, y'all scatter. I know. See, I'm on the other side <laughs> now. Things, see, I'm on the fast. other side. You, you can't backtrack it now. You can't, <laughs> you can't have it both ways. It now. Yeah, nope. you can't backtrack it. Uh, <clears throat> all right, I, I've, I've got one on motivation. How dumb were the Seattle Mariners to trade Paul Seawald to you guys? Because not only is he closing games for you guys, he lengthens out your bullpen. I mean, I talked about that one a lot when it occurred. It's not why the Mariners didn't make it as far as they did. There's other reasons there, of course. But for me, I just thought that trade at the time was shocking, frankly, for a guy that's not even a free agent after this season uh, for the Diamondbacks to pick him up. Yeah, I have no idea why Seattle would do it. Um, but I do know I am glad the Diamondbacks made that trade. It's a, it's a great move by Mike and everyone else involved uh, to go and get a guy like that. Um, obviously, we have Kinkle there, and, and he's coming in that eighth inning, and, and he's throwing multiple if we need, and he's pretty special. His slider's pretty almost unhittable. And then to to have Seawald in the back just really did lengthen it out. And it, he's a special guy. He's a guy who's done it for a long time. Um, he's a guy that when he's when he's got the ball in his hand, you got a good chance that you know that you're probably going to win this game. And he goes out there and competes every single day. He prepares every single day. He's a professional. He's a guy that just kind of leads by the way he shows up in his presence. So he's a he's a special guy to have, and we're happy to have him. What does the celebration look like when the Diamondbacks win this series? Is it going to be crazy? Champagne. A lot of champagne, a lot of cold beer. I think this will be the best one yet. We win this series, it'll be a really good celebration. Uh, We've had a couple so far, and, and I would say they're, they're pretty good ones, but I think this one will top them all. Right now we're focused on today and winning today, and, and, and when that celebration comes, I'll definitely let you know and get back to you. Hey, they only get better each time, okay? Every time, every step, they get a little bit sweeter, sweeter. And the, last one is, the last one is the best, right? So you got two more yep. to go. All right, yep. Seawall does, does a mean cannonball. Did you teach him that? But first of all, when he got traded, we had him on here, and he said – you went up to him and told him he was tipping. So you sold the whole league out? Is that how you go now, Jace? You sell out the whole league? <laughs> hey, I, I ride with who who I'm riding with. And he's yeah. on this team, so I'm riding with him. So whoever, whoever on this team, I'm riding with him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we had a little something on him and, and kind of told him, and he's been able to kind of control that and fix it. And it's like I told Paul, you're good enough. You can do this and 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 this and let him know it's coming and throw it by people. So, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a different cat. And whenever he throws the ball, he's got something else on it. Was he appreciative, though, when you went up to him? and said, Was he like, damn, no wonder them Oakland A's I couldn't get out? <laughs> for sure, for sure. I think I think he uh, didn't had no idea. And, and kind of once I showed it to him and, and went over it with him, he was able to kind of see it and fix it. So um, he was definitely appreciative. So now the A's are all calling you like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I don't think they're too worried about <laughs> no, it. Hey, it, it is what it is. Maybe the no, Dodgers, I mean. Maybe the Dodgers. 
The Brewers. The Brewers were pissed. The Brewers. Brewers uh, like Jace. You were a Brewer. Now you're. Wouldn't you guys do the same? Who of course cares? I did. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> of course. I always did. Dubs. It. A million percent. Did you? Yeah, yeah, they're they're yeah, they're riding. They're riding with whoever's on their team too. That's just how. That's how we get down. Shoot, I told Yarbrough. Yarbrough was on this show. I told him he was tipping in whatever year that was uh, when Gardy when Gardy had him in the playoffs. He's like, mm-hmm. no way, dude. I'll tell. Shoot, don't let mm-hmm. me find a tip. And, <laughs> and now, now y'all know nowadays with analytics, man. There's there's people dedicated on each team that are that are looking for things like any any type of stuff. So that's that's something that's in the game and. Whether it's trying to get them at second, whether it's getting them in gloves, whether it's getting them on positioning, there's all kind of stuff out there. So you got to be aware and you got to be on it. And Jace, last one from me on your boy Zach Allen. Um, the Philly crowd is really intense and cool, and I think gives them more of a home field advantage than most teams have had in the postseason in a while. Is there anyone that cares less about that than Zach Allen? I mean, he's from the area. He's a tough dude. He likes pitching with a chip on his shoulder. I mean that in a positive way, like where he goes in there and maybe even thrives off of that where many others have looked, you know, pretty shook, I would say. Yeah, no, I I don't. I think you, you hit it right on the head. I don't think he's bothered by it. Um, I think he's a guy who kind of thrives off of it. He likes that environment. Um, he's ready to go each and every day. And I think you're going to see a really – really focus that gal on the night and somebody who can really dominate the game. He takes it over. And once he gets in that zone, man, he's really special. He can do a lot of different things, attack you a lot of different ways. Um, but he's coming at you. I mean, he's not scared. And I think that's what separates those guys at that, at that, those ones and twos They're they're coming at you. Hey, Jace, uh, Moreno. Okay. Is he, is he, he's okay. He's yeah, good. He, he's okay. He's okay. Cause I don't want to see okay. you have to get back there behind the plate. I've seen that tire skit. <laughs> I only had to do it a couple times, and I will if I need to. But, no, I think Christian Walker would be our number three if we needed it. I know he used to catch. So, he's an athlete. I think he could be back there and handle it just fine. He's from the Northeast, too, so he's tough. Oh, my God. Dude, that's uh, that was one thing I was going to say. Gallon's tough because he's from New Jersey. Oh, he's so tough. Well, you said it. You said it twice. No, no, Scott said it. He's Uh, shooing me uh, off. I didn't say a word. So, Jace, last thing, and we're not, we're going to get off baseball here for a second. Uh, how long after the Diamondbacks win the World Series until you're in a duck blind or a deer blind? Oh, uh, day or two, a day or two. <laughs> you're, so, I mean, maybe you're, a, you're, maybe a little bit longer uh, this year. I, I got to get a little small procedure at the end of the season, and, and then I'll, so maybe a week or two. But that that'd be about the most. Okay, I was going to say because you're missing like quality hunting time right here. I mean, this is like it. There's only one other thing I'd rather be doing right now, and that's baseball. Other than that, I'd be in a I'd be in a deer stand or duck blind, no question. All right, just checking. I know I can't take him out of Louisiana. Mm-mm. No, you playing hurt. One day, okay? one, one day, Jace will invite me to go duck hunting. One of these days. I mean, after all we've been through together, all the ups and downs, and one day he'll say like, "Hey, why don't you come to Louisiana?" He's getting go? a procedure. Send him something nice. Okay. Yes. Yeah, all you got to do is show up. Cratchy came. Cratch came out there and shot some ducks with me. You should have came. He did. I didn't. No, I'm playing. But I'm he's just <laughs> scared of guns. What are you talking about? <laughs> Can't get none. Think yeah, y'all y'all got to come. Open invite, man. Y'all got to come. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold you to that one. Do come it. on. All right, Jace. Ha- have, the, have a great time. Enjoy the game. And uh, good luck to your boys, all right? Yep. Appreciate y'all. Y'all have a good one. You Thanks, too. Buddy. Thanks, Jace. Be the best cheerleader you could be. <laughs> Jace Peterson with us on FT Live. The Miami Marlins and Kimming have parted ways. Yes, the GM 
who takes the Marlins back to the playoffs besides the COVID year for the first time since 2003 parts ways. And Tyler Kepner covered the story. So he said he just spoke with her um, and she said, quote, last week, Bruce Sherman, that's the owner, and I discussed his plan to reshape the baseball ops department. In our discussions, it became apparent that we were not completely aligned on what that should look like. And I felt it best to step away. I wish to express my sincere gratitude and appreciation to the Marlins family and its fans for my time in South Florida. This year was a great step forward for the organization, and I will miss working with Skip and his coaches, as well as all of the dedicated staff and baseball ops and throughout the front office. They are a very talented group, and I wish them great success in the future. What the fuck? What happened? She just led them to a freaking playoff appearance. This is the first female general manager in baseball what are the Marlins doing? I'm throwing her the bag and I'm figuring it out. Like, are they saying Wayne Heisinga it and, <laughs> and fire sale the team apart after making the playoffs? Where, where is she going to go, though? Maybe the Red Sox. The only <laughs> reason I'm not pissed is because I think she'll have a job if she oh, wants it as a GM within you, the next year or two. I'll tell you what I'm pissed about. What? The White Sox didn't even get a chance. Well, they don't interview external well, I, But I'm just – she used to be a White Sox, though. She came up with the White Sox. She, she's – right now, she's – External candidate is different for the White Sox. But the Red Sox, Red Sox, they should be calling okay. her ASAP. Kratz, explain this to me. You make the playoffs for the first full year in 20 years, and you and the owner can't get on the same page? It doesn't – it's something – we're missing something here. Because well, she made great trades. Mm -hmm. She traded for Berger, right? She traded for Robertson. She traded for guys that helped them down the stretch. Arise. She didn't give up. Well, she arise, but I mean, this has nothing to do with her performance. Clearly, this has to do with the direction of the franchise, or maybe they wanted she, to fire. She people hired in her Skip Schumacher. Yeah, which was money. which was which was the best part of that story is she she did what most teams are supposed to do, and she asked around like, "Hey, you know, I know the standard candidates. Is there anybody out there that nobody's talking about?" And people, someone was I forget who it was was like, "Hey, you should look at this Skip Schumacher guy," and they hired him, and he was awesome. <clears throat> So it's it everything she did seemed to be right. I don't know of anyone that's ever said a bad word about Kim. Can I venture a guess? After the season, you meet with your ownership group. You say, "Hey, what does the off season look like? What's our budget?" And if you're told not much, like Derek Jeter was told, then you're like, "Okay, this isn't that fun. I can probably get a job elsewhere. We're not on the same page. I want to build something special here. You're not allowing me to do so. We know that teams that don't spend it all generally are not going to fare as well, and it sucks to." lose life is short do you think that could be the case in a situation like this and also the difference with her i mean jeter obviously the, the team wasn't good yet they were trying to build some things but they didn't do a great job there she did a fantastic job of putting a playoff team together ding 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 ding. prize scotty braun i talked to some people this morning about this and we'll get to it a little bit later but look who's left jeter's left he doesn't have to bend the knee to ownership he wants to go in there and be who he is. Don Mattingly's left. He doesn't have to bend the knee. Kim Ang has done so well. She doesn't need to sit here and go through another offseason where they're told, oh, we have $4 million to spend on free agency <laughs> when other people are spending $400 million in the same division. Boom. There it is. And we'll cover this story more. I'm sure we'll get more on this story. The insiders are probably all like, oh, shit. There'll be plenty of stories out, and there'll probably be a lot of chatter up in Boston about their vacant position because it doesn't seem like there's a front runner up there yet either. So it might be now. Stay tuned on that front. Exactly, you might the be Mets. now. She did, a, she did a fantastic job. Well, Mets, if she wants to work, you know, under David Stearns, you're saying, 
Nah, she should run Boston, in my mind. I mean, that's a better position for her. It's a higher position. Let's swing it over to the Rangers-Astros series again and preview what's coming up in this series. Hot corner time. You know how I mentioned at the beginning of the show, it's helpful when your team does stuff? That is the case even when you acquire a pitcher who then gets hurt after several starts because he's back. Evan Grant, reporting on this team every day, says Scherzer feels good. Asked him if there was more life on his fastball Wednesday. And in my opinion, this is me giving one of the better quotes this postseason. Quote, it was a weird sim game. Sim game. I usually don't pitch hung over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Grant said touche. Sounds like pretty much everybody in agreement. Good to go for the ALCS. And yes, then we found out he is on the roster. He talked about how I think he went like 68 pitches in that sim game because people are trying to find out how much he can give Texas. And I don't think he even knows how much he can give them, but you, you're cool even if you get a few innings here and there out of Max Scherzer. If they're good innings, you're, you're picking up outs. And it helps. I mean, they added him and John Gray to their roster for the ALCS. That's a pretty nice little ad come this time. I mean, are you worried at all about like rust? You know, speaking of long layoffs, he had a really long. Could be too well rested. He could be too well rested. Right. Oh, already, yeah. You know, not, he's no. a, he's a guy that's given excuses. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, I think this is great for the Rangers. It's going to give him a boost. Wait till he takes the mound in Arlington for Game Three. Crowd's going to go crazy. Oh. He's going to be out there stomping around, you know, snarling at the Astros. I think this is a great thing. I would just wish he could have gone Verlander versus Scherzer, like Game One, Game Five. That would have been awesome, but. Listen. Happy Max is back. And then you throw John Gray. I know John Gray struggled down the down the stretch, but still, he, he's another guy. I mean, if you're the Rangers, would you rather have Scherzer and Gray or Heaney and Dunning pitching? Oh, Probably Scherzer and Gray. But And you still have And you still have those guys. guys in the bullpen, which yeah. they both warmed up last night. They, they sent down Brock Burke and Matt Bush are not on the roster anymore. But, damn, I mean, this is what we talked about. They have like eight starters on that roster. Bruce Bochy's the master, though. He is the master of manipulating a bullpen. And, and, and the thing about Bochy is, he used to be even a, he used to be the best at like manipulating the other team's manager. He could like he he knew exactly who he wanted to face who, and he'd be like, oh, I'm going to bring in this guy because they're going to pinch hit this guy, and I want that match. I mean, he was like the best. He he could play it. To where he he manipulated the other manager to where he got the matchup he wanted. Oh, or the other team's going to send up a pinch hitter. Oh, well, they know I'm going to bring in this guy. I want him to do that because I wanted my righty to face this lefty. Like he was the king of that. The Bruce Bochy bait. He would bait a guy out there like, oh man, you know, hey, go out there on deck, and the other dude's sitting in, under the tunnel going, there's no way they're going to make this move, and then that other dude's ready to go, and it was like flippy floppy. Bruce, but I would not give, I would not give every manager that many starters in the bullpen. But I think Bruce Bochy, because he communicates well and he also knows how to not just be like, uh, go warm up. Like, dude, you want me to warm up again? I was a starter all year. Okay, uh, don't warm up. Um, okay, now warm up again. Like, he's com he communicates so well. If it was anybody else, I would say it's uh, a little bit of a risky move. Because those guys just can't constantly be down there like, am I in? Am I not in? Am I in? Am I not in? But I think he's the guy to do it. And I think he's he's got a – they got a juggernaut going on right now because you wouldn't say that their bullpen is better than the Astros. I would say 
out of anybody, I think they might have the, you know, I think it'd be between them and the Diamondbacks bullpen wise, as far as who has the worst bullpen of the four teams left. But the way Bochi just asked guys to get certain outs and the way this lineup is rolling, they don't even need the bullpen, really. I have a question. How difficult is it to communicate with players, even if it's a tough conversation? If you're a manager, and that's really your primary job these days, isn't it? Isn't that your it's, number one here's, role? Here's the problem you have to understand. The ones that do it well are not afraid of tough conversations. The ones who have a hard time with it are the ones that wants to be everybody's friend. Mm-hmm. And you can't be everyone's friend. You, you're gonna, There's going to be people that aren't going to like you. That's just... That's in any job, pretty much, if you're in charge, okay? But as the manager, can you make people – can you have tough conversations but still make it okay? Can you go to Jace Peterson, if you're Tori Lovello, and say, hey, Jace, man, sorry, buddy, you're not on the roster. Here's the reason why, da-da-da-da. And Jace was like, I get it. But then you get a manager that just doesn't tell you or, you know, gets rid of people and is not in the office and things like that. There's just, like, things to communicating that – you have to be okay having tough conversations and you have to also understand these conversations are going to happen. It's not the end of the world. It doesn't make you a bad person, but you also can't be friends with everybody. You can't be friends with your players. You can be, you can be friends, but you can't be friends. I mean, I don't know if that makes sense, (laughs) but you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like you can be friends and be like, Hey Scott, you're my friend, but then you can't be so chummy that you can't have that conversation. And that's where, a lot of managers have a hard time. They have a hard time make, having hard conversations with guys. And honestly, as a former player, I just wanted the truth, man. Just tell me. Like, you suck. Okay, I suck. Fine. You're not going to play. Why aren't I going to play? Okay, I can deal with that. Because <laughs> the front office told me. No. Nope. So. Yeah, they don't even a, have a scapegoat now. If you're the manager, you could be like, uh, but you can't have that. You I can't, know, you say, can't that. say that. Listen, I, I was, listen, I had it happen to me in Atlanta one time, 2015. I, uh, we'll get into it. Not now, but one day we'll get into it. Okay. I had a conversation with the manager and it was, he was very, Freddie Gonzalez, he was great about it. And he told me exactly the front office wasn't very happy with him, but Freddie and I are still friends. You can't tell us now. Well, we don't have time. We got to get into other stuff. One day we'll get into it. Okay. No, just say it had, no go, ahead. Huh? go ahead. No, just to say it had to do with like, I was starting to hit big incentives and all of a sudden I wasn't playing mm. anymore. Mm. It was weird how that, like I started hitting Boom, 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 boom. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, by the way, you're you're gonna take September off. Wait, why now? You know, just things like, like things like that. Like, can, can can you as a manager, if I was a manager, can I have a conversation with the guy that's on the bubble and go to him and say, Listen, you're not making the team in spring training, but we're still gonna need you and make him feel like I'm still in his corner, even though it's a hard conversation, right? Or can I have that conversation with a guy that's just not gonna work, but still make him feel feel something right but not but not me sit there and go gosh i got to have this conversation with scott braun and tell him i'm going to kick him out of my house and uh, oh but i want to be ha- like but i'm but be honest with you right it's it's a very fine line that managers walk and i think cratch will agree with me that, like the good ones are great at that and the bad ones just don't have that feel no feel and i will forever say this it's not just the manager to the player it's the manager to the front office the manager is for good or for for worse, like he's going to be the guy that's going to take the fall. You watch the whole Blue Jay thing play out. If the manager is not able to have real conversations with ownership, maybe a little less with ownership because that's more general manager, but with manager to the GM, manager to the training staff, 
manager to the traveling guy, manager to the players. Not saying he has to lord over everything, saying you have to be able to talk to all those different people. And if you are not a good people person, but because you like kiss up to the right people in interviews, you get the job, it's not going to work out. You cannot, you got to have an ego. You got to be egotistical and it never shows. You got to be confident without being cocky. And you got to be able to do that for organizations that win. Look at the organizations that are in right now. Rangers, CY's the GM. CY brought in Bochi. Um, Dombrowski, Toppers in there. Now Astros, I don't know how that all's going on because people are getting fired <laughs> all the time. But but Dusty is a confident dude, and he has his players' backs. He he let Urquidy in a one-run game pitch till the sixth inning in a one-run game. How many other organizations are sitting there going? I think our analytic department would be totally fine with that. They'd be they'd be jumping through the glass to try to get Urquidy out of the game, but he's got that confidence. Like, no, this is my guy. So it's all it's that's the kind of it's that quiet confidence. And anytime I see a manager that's out there promoting himself, it's just it's I, I just cringe and I think it's not quite going to work. Let's laugh. Let's run our, our uh, giveaway shout out because we have the winner. If you were snoozing this weekend, then you missed out on a Justin Turner signed jersey. And we teamed up with our friends at Baseballer to do the giveaway. It was a very simple ask where you just follow both and, and like the post. And the winner of the Justin Turner signed jersey is Carson Benink. Benick? Benick. Is it a silent? The J is silent. Yogging. Yogging. <laughs> Carson Bennett, who looks like he plays too. So. He doesn't look very old, old Carson. Congrats, Carson. You won a Justin Turner signed jersey. He signed his jersey, and we're giving it out. So uh, someone will reach out from the social team. We'll get your information. We'll send it out. I love doing giveaways. It's awesome. We got we to gotta get a couple more followers there because he's – I think the kids call it ratio. You can't have more – you can't be following more people than you follow that follow you. We need, mm. we need Carson to get more followers. followers. That is definitely something kids would be concerned about. It's a ratio. And eventually they realize life's short. We shouldn't worry about that. Mm -hmm. But anyway, you got something for us? For, uh, for my slap hands, I just want to say congratulations and a happy anniversary to the 2005 White Sox. Because on this day, we kicked the Angels' ass with four straight complete games. <laughs> and you will never, ever see that happen again. At the time, we are the only team to ever accomplish this in a playoff series. In five games, our, I think our relievers threw two-thirds of an inning. And you'll never see this happen again. It'll never happen again in the history of the world. Four complete games in a row. Four wins in a row. Oh, that is incredible. And You're so right. one of the best, coolest things I've ever been a part of, Burley, Contreras, Freddy Garcia, John Garland. Not in that order, but. I have an important question. Those are the four. This is something that would be so you. How many times did you go up to relievers during that time period and be like, you were fucking great, man. What a, what a performance. Well, the only guy that threw was Neil Cott. So I'm like, Neil, dude, you, you kicked ass this series. <laughs> Bobby Jenks, Justin Hurst. Did you go up to those guys, though? Like, I was like, you Bobby guys were great Dustin. this week. Good you, job, guys, guys. you guys had a great week off. <laughs> so think about that. All the stuff about time off. Those dudes went, swept the ALDS at the time because there was no wild card before. Everyone on Twitter goes, well, there was no wild card back then. Shut up. <laughs> ALDS swept three games, yeah. right? So they pitched, most of them pitched in game three or 
when we swept the Red Sox. Then they went, we had like three or four days off, and then five games of the day off, and then we went five more days. So, so they went like pitch. two weeks. Relievers didn't pitch for like two weeks. And we swept the Astros. So That's crazy. Save, save, nerd, save the drama about Can't the rest. they got all the rust off of their arms and shoulders and elbows. Dude, we, so had some good, we had some good inner squads, though. It was great. That's what it's about. Kratz hats? AJ was calling good games. That's what was missed in that whole story there. AJ was calling every right pitch. Well, that and the guys went like 115 pitches, you know, like stuff like that. Mm. Oh, how could they do that? Blue Jays, spring training hat. Can't believe I keep finding all these Blue Jays hats that are way at the bottom of my bag. Yeah, nothing beats that one Blue Jays hat that had the freaking, like, what? what is that? Like the, the rope around? Oh, that was, that was my... That was like a round American eighty-seven round robin hat. That wasn't even no, American no. Either. There was a Blue Jays one that had the lining that was super weird. I promise you, it was the gray one. Oh, that one was brutal. But they I, kept I think that's the, the worst hat I saw. I still got a couple more minor league spring training ones that are coming up here. Hey, everyone watching FT right now, we appreciate you. And if you want more of us, we are hustling for you this evening. We are watching both LCS games and we're doing post-game shows live right here on FT's YouTube. You'll get a notification, but right when the game ends, maybe even a drop before it, we'll pop on and we'll recap the ALCS, which is the early game, and then the NLCS with instant reaction thoughts and your questions because we never stop hustling. So enjoy those games. We'll see you afterward. Every day we're hustling, every day we're hustling. Hey, get in on the action with the FT fam at BetMGM. New customers use the bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for a $1,500 first bet offer. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $10 into your BetMGM Sportsbook account. Place your first wager and receive up to 1500 bucks back in bonus bets if the bet loses. If that bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.